The early church, right after the resurrection of Jesus, after Paul was put into the ministry by Jesus on the road to Damascus, the early church, in many cases, met in homes. We know this because at the end of the epistles of Paul, he often said, greet the church who meets in the home of such and such. So we know many of the churches met in homes. But even at that time, Antichrist was just waiting to move in and take over and speak perverse things to the church, to set up other denominations, to get people to follow him. We know this because of what Paul said in Acts 20 when he spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus. We see this in Acts 20, verses 28 through 30. Paul says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For this I know, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also of your own selves, and he's speaking to the elders, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. They were just waiting to take over these antichrists. They were sitting there among the elders. They were an elder sitting there in the church, but just waiting, biding their time until they could rise up and speak their own opinions and set up their own churches and draw away disciples for their own denominations. This was happening early in the church. John saw it also, the Apostle John, if you will look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. John is speaking to the church of his day, and he says, Little children, it is the last time. See, the last time, the last days all began with the resurrection of Jesus, right there 2,000 years ago. Now, they thought Jesus was going to return immediately to take them off the earth. We see that by their writings. But Peter explains that in the sight of God, time is not the same as in the sight of man. And Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, in the sight of God, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. As we look at the time between the time we live and the time Paul lived, we say, well, 2,000 years has passed. But if you look at it in God's sight, two days has passed. So it makes sense that Jesus says in Revelation, I come soon, because time is not the same in God's view as it is in man's view. So John is speaking, the Apostle John is speaking to their church group. And he says, little children, it is the last time. 
And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists. See, the church has been teaching for generations and decades. The church has been teaching that there's one Antichrist. This is not correct. And they've been teaching that this Antichrist would come through governments of men. And this is not correct. The Apostle John explains it right here in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not all of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul explains that before Jesus can return for the church, there must first come a falling away, and that would be in the church. In 1982, God explained to me, this falling away that Paul is talking about, these are not people leaving the church. These are churches leaving the scriptures. They are falling away from the scriptures. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Start at verse 3. Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See, it wasn't coming through governments of men. It was coming through the church itself as Antichrist moved into the church after the church fell away from Scripture. After they discarded certain Scriptures, omitted them, changed the doctrine, that let the door open for Antichrist to move in and take over in that church group. Paul says in verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let us will let until he be taken out of the way. What does that mean? Well, if you look at the NASB, I think you see that verse 7 a little more clearly. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. In Paul's lifetime, Antichrist was already sitting there just waiting to speak perverse things to the church, to set up other doctrines, to draw men away to himself, to set up other denominations. It was already there in the church at the time of John and Paul. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. What does that mean? Then that lawlessness one will be revealed. He who now restrains 
will do so until he is removed. I said to God once, is, Who is it that restrains Antichrist? And I heard immediately, It's the scriptures, Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word is removed. You basically remove Jesus from your church group when you change your doctrine. And that allows Antichrist to move in and take over. Start at verse 8 of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's look back at the King James Version. And then shall that wicked be revealed, Antichrist will be revealed in the church, because he's changed the doctrine. They've changed the doctrine, letting him in. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Make no mistake, these apostate churches where Antichrist reigns will be destroyed when Jesus returns. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth of the scriptures but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's a great deal of pleasure in being a part of a church group. You feel safe, though you're not safe. You're only safe through God and through the scriptures, but it's a delusion of feeling like you're part of the group, that you're safe, that there are these other people who support you. But if you've left the scriptures in portions of scripture, in order to be the church, you're not the church. You're Antichrist. So if you're sitting in a church group where they have removed doctrines, doctrines concerning divorce and remarriage, doctrines such as Matthew 5.32, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The woman who is divorced commits adultery if she remarries. Things like that. Where they have removed scripture concerning homosexuals and lesbians. Romans chapter 1 where they've removed that scripture. Verse 26, start at verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the youth, the natural youth, into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural youth of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. One day I was watching TV news and the Catholic Pope came on and they asked him about homosexuals and he said, well, I don't see anything wrong with being a homosexual. And I screamed at the television, what about the Bible? See, they don't go by the Bible. And also the Protestants, 
They're approving all manner of evil. One Baptist church in Georgia just announced in 2021 that homosexuals and lesbians were welcome to come to his church, basically opening the door for all types of sexual perversions to come into the church unrepentant. Now, certainly, if they see their sin as being homosexuals, if they see their sin by the scriptures, well, of course we accept them, just like we accept adulteresses who've seen their sin. Jesus said to the woman taken in adultery, go and sin no more. She couldn't continue in adultery. Go and sin no more. The church is the church is for the church. The church is the church. Those who are called by God, elect of God, born again, given the Spirit of God to lead them in spiritual matters. That's the church, the real church. But they're letting all these perversions in. And it is getting worse and worse. Paul said it would get worse and worse. Second Timothy chapter 3. Paul said in the last days, perilous times would come. He said they would have a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. They denied the Holy Spirit. They denied the scriptures. And he told us, just turn away from them when you see that. But he said they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. He looks upon the things such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. He looks upon that as foolishness. So many churches today have removed speaking that scripture. They don't even speak it. They don't tell their congregations, if you marry a divorced woman, You commit adultery? When was the last time you heard that spoken at church? I was born again in 1975, and I've never heard that spoken at a church. In all the years that I went to church, I've never heard it spoken, Matthew 5.32. Why wouldn't they speak that? Well, they wouldn't speak it because it would offend people. And they want numbers of people with big congregations because that means big money. I've actually heard In private, I've heard pastors say, my wife and I are praying for God to send us Baptists because Baptists know how to give money. When I first started in the ministry, I was on radio, but I was renting uh, rooms, meeting rooms at motels in the areas where I was on radio, and I would announce that I would be in that city on such and such a day and would speak to the radio audience and people would come and hear the meetings. In one of the early meetings that I had, it was in Arlington, Texas, between Dallas and Fort Worth. Kenneth Copeland lives in Fort Worth. His mother uh, was a friend of mine, Vanetta, and her his dad also. And they came to my meeting. Well, we passed a basket for offerings. And later, Vanetta came up to me and she said, Joan, you're going to do really well in the ministry. She said, I looked into the offering basket and there were lots of people who gave $20 bills and more. I never even thought of such a thing. 
I'd never thought of looking in an offering basket to see what kind of offerings they were giving. Were there dollar bills or were there 50 cents or were there 20 or 50 dollars? But she did because she knew the business side of ministry. Well, this pastor told me that he and his wife were praying for God to send them Baptists because they already knew how to give money. Oh, it is just so horribly corrupt behind the scenes in churches with ministers. Terribly corrupt. Well, of course, what they do is they get into big works where they have to have a lot of money to pay for their works. So it gets more and more corrupt when that happens. There's a lot of corruption in ministries. In the day Jesus walked on the earth, we have in Matthew 16 a story of him warning his disciples about the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Reading in Matthew 16, start at verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Verse 11. Jesus says, How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy. Timothy was an evangelist. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Paul says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. In other words, go there and if the door opens to preach the word, preach it. Say those things, say the truth. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Exhort means to urge earnestly by advice and warning. Give them scripture, show them the way of God, warn them about going another way. For Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. In today's church world, you can look around and you can find some church that will approve you in whatever sin you are doing. And they are going not to turn you to God, but to approve you, to make you feel good about yourself in your sin. They're going to approve homosexuals, lesbians. They're going to cast away Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. They're going to approve the divorced woman who remarries. They'll cast away 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, where Paul said it's a commandment of the Lord. Verses 10 and 11. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband, and let not the man put away his wife. They're going to approve men marrying divorced women and have the ceremonies right there in their church building. Going against the Bible, where Jesus said in Matthew 5.32, Whosoever marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. Going completely against these scriptures. You can find churches that will approve you in your sin and make you feel good about yourself in your sin. But you won't be saved that way. You won't be saved to eternal life that way. You will be saved to eternal life by the Holy Spirit revealing your sin to you so that you can repent and go away from that sin and not do that anymore. That's how you're saved. You're changed by God. But it's through truth and not through making you feel good. Well, what's happening today in the churches? It's a type of doctrine which God loves you and wants you to be happy. Do what you want to do. There are many churches teaching that today. It's Antichrist in the church. The end-time apostasy where they turn away from Scripture. It had to happen before Jesus returns. But we don't sit in it. We don't sit in a church group that teaches opposite from the New Testament Bible. I have left many churches when I have heard their pastors teach things opposite to the Bible. And you must do that also, because in the end, you're going to be judged by whether or not you approve with what Jesus has said in the Bible. But of course, you should have a love for the scriptures if you belong to God, and you, you don't want to go against the scriptures. And anyone who goes against the scriptures in a church, you're not going to be around them because you won't be around them when they do that if you're of God. Again, I've left many churches. The first church I ever attended after being born again was a non-denominational church in Dallas. At the time I started going there, they were preaching against speaking in tongues. I really didn't care. I didn't know what a tongue was, and it didn't matter to me. They were teaching that tongues are of the devil. But a few days after I started going there, I read in the New Testament Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, down at the end of the chapter, Paul said, Covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak in tongues. And here they were forbidding the speaking in tongues. I never went back to that church. I told my best friend, I said, I'm not going to go back to that church. We went to her house and looked this scripture up in every Bible that she had, every translation. And in every translation, it said, don't forbid your people to speak in tongues. Forbid not to speak in tongues. And she said, well, I'm not going back there either. I have left many churches when the pastors have taught things that were wrong, just not in the Bible. 
One pastor taught that Sarah and Hagar of the Old Testament, Genesis, Sarah and Hagar, the handmaid of Sarah's, he taught they were half-sisters. Well, I'd never seen that in the Bible, so I went home after that service and read the Bible, and I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it said Sarah and Hagar were half-sisters. So I called that pastor and told him I just couldn't find that in the Bible. And where is it in the Bible? And he said to me, well, I just can't remember where it is. I said to him, well, it's so important to me to know where it is, so would you please look it up and just tell your secretary and ask her to call me and tell me where it is. He got deathly quiet for a few seconds. And then he shouted out over the phone, All right, it's not in the Bible. Where do you go to church? Well, the whole point was I was hunting a church to attend, but I'm not going to attend one where the pastor deliberately makes up stories that are not in the Bible and tells his people these things which are not in the Bible. See, that's Antichrist. That's Antichrist. I've seen it happen more than once. Another non-denominational church that I visited because I was hunting a church to attend. The pastor was teaching John chapter 8 about the woman being taken in adultery. And he said, and when she was brought before Jesus, she was naked from the waist up. I was shocked. Oh, I've read John chapter 8 many times, and I, that's not in John chapter 8. I looked around the auditorium. There were about 200 people there on a Wednesday night. I looked at the faces of men, and they were just lusting after this woman. You could tell they had big smiles on their face, and they were really enjoying this presentation of this pastor, which was false. The next day I called him, and I said, Now, I can't find that in the Bible where she was brought before Jesus naked from the waist up. Where is that? He told me the exact same thing that other pastor said. He said, well, I just can't remember where it is. And I said to him, well, please look it up for me and find it and have your secretary call me and tell me because it's very important for me to know this. And he screamed out at me. All right, it's not in the Bible. There was no shame. On either of these men, there was no shame that they had made up things and told their congregation false stories that they knew were not in the Bible. They just made them up. You can't handle the Word of God that way. You just can't do it. You have to be careful if you're going to quote a scripture or handle the Word of God. You must be certain that you're doing it in a correct, pure way. There will be a terrible judgment against these pastors who make up things and tell their congregation fantasy stories, pretending they are in the Bible when they know they're not. These men do not repent. Antichrist does not repent. In the book of Revelation, even when the plagues came, they blasphemed God. They did not repent of their sins. They blasphemed God. 
You can read that in Revelation uh, 16. You will also read some of that in Revelation 8 and 9, but especially 16. I used to play duplicate bridge, and almost everybody at the bridge center in Lubbock, Texas, went to some church. And you would go up to one woman and she'd say, I'm Church of Christ. And another would say they were Methodist. Another said she was Presbyterian. One said she was Baptist. Well, actually, more than one said they were Baptist. And one was Catholic. But they were in churches that professed Jesus. I never found a person, maybe one Baptist, but I never found anyone, for the most part, who enjoyed hearing things God had done in my life. And when I told them things God had done in my life and what the Holy Spirit had said to me, they just got deathly silent. They did not rejoice, and they just bided their time until I stopped talking. They weren't of God. These people attending these churches weren't of God. But the first thing they tell you is where they go to church. They don't realize the minute you say that to another person, you divide the body of Christ. In Paul's day it was going on, in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 4, Paul says, And brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and work, walk as men? For one saith, I am of Paul, another saith, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? One says, I'm Baptist, another says, I'm Catholic, another says, I'm Church of Christ, or Methodist, or Presbyterian, carnal, dividing the body of Christ with denominations. Dividing the body of Christ with denominations. And much corruption from the New Testament Bible is presented in those denominations. I mean, the Catholics pray to Mary, a dead person. They're praying to a dead person. Jesus explained death concerning Lazarus who had died. Death is falling asleep. When you die, you simply fall asleep. You will be awakened when Jesus returns, if you belong to him, and you will be raised from the dead. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I said to my cousin one time, now she wasn't a church person, but she mentioned that she was going to decorate her dead husband's grave. And I said, who are you trying to impress by doing that? Thurman's asleep. He can't see you outside that grave. He's asleep. He won't even know you're there. So by putting those flowers on his grave, who are you trying to impress? 
she thought about it, and then she said, then it really doesn't matter where we are buried. And I said, that is right. I think she was born again at that moment. She died shortly thereafter. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. It explains what death is. Death is simply falling asleep. And the people who are dead, your relatives who are dead, they're asleep. When Jesus returns, they will be awakened and raised from the dead. But not in these bodily forms. They will be given a new form of body. Uh, Paul explains that in 1 Corinthians 15, start at verse 48, if you wish to read that. But let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Start at verse 13. Paul said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The pagan people have no hope for resurrection, so they howl and mourn at funerals and carry on. There is no hope. We as Christians, Paul didn't want us to do that. He didn't want us to act like the pagans decorating graves and doing such nonsense. That's not testifying to the resurrection to go out and decorate a grave. I don't know what you're doing by doing that if you're doing it. I've seen people who say they're Christians do it. But I, I told them, I said, why are you doing this as a Christian? Why? Here you are a Baptist. You're out here at cemeteries on Memorial Day decorating graves. What are you testifying to? The resurrection? No, death. Not resurrection. Well, Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, concerning the dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive on the earth and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That word in the air is very important. God one time called my attention to the word in the air. I looked it up, found it in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Why would we be taken off this earth? This earth is going to be destroyed, that's why. We'll be taken to the new heaven and the new earth, wherein dwells righteousness, which is described in Revelation chapter 21, because God let the Apostle John see 
a glimpse of this new heaven and new earth where we will be taken. The dead in Christ, Jesus, and then we are raised from this earth. Some will not see death. Some will be alive when Jesus returns and raises the dead. Some will be alive on this earth. We will be changed into new spiritual bodies. We will be raised from off this earth and taken to meet Jesus and the dead in Christ who have been resurrected. And we will all be taken to the new heaven and the new earth, which is described by the Apostle John in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he, God, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Why not? We won't have these physical bodies that cause pain. We will have new spiritual bodies made in the image of God a spirit. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Beware of your doctrine. The New Testament Bible tells you the doctrine of Christ. If you will read the New Testament Bible, when you hear something that is incorrect at your church, you will know it's incorrect because you know the Bible. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.